Um, have you ever been so in awe of something or someone that you just had to stop and look, maybe even stare? Yeah, yeah? Good. <laughs> have you ever noticed something in creation? It just caused you to stop and look. Maybe it is something that's super incredibly beautiful like a sunset, or maybe it's the you know, expansiveness of the Great Canyon, or you're out in the country where there's no city lights and you're looking up and you, you see the stars and you just go, oh my Wow. To be in awe or to wonder at something, to pause, is, is a feeling of surprise. It's mingled with admir- admiration, and it's usually caused by something that is beautiful or something that is unexpected or unfamiliar. And so you're going through life, and all of a sudden, there's something that pops up in front of you, and the only thing you can do is you can just stop and pause. Think about some of those times. One of those times for me is etched in my brain, someone, is I remembered clearly on our wedding day, you know, before pictures, you're standing there, grooms, and then you turn and you see your wife to be for the first time. Yeah, I got her going. <laughs> no, I mean, but also it was just the awe. As I was thinking about this, another time for me was the birth of our children, and I think specifically, I mean, I've got. Vivid memories of all three of them in that birthing. There's something unique about each one of them. And most specifically with Jordan, our oldest, uh, Terry had a C-section. And so we were in the operating room. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of over here sitting. And they've got the little thing so you can't see. And I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a wimp when it comes to shots and all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, and so the nurse made me promise that I would sit down uh, because, you know, I was a little bit bigger than her. And um, all of a sudden, the doctor, you know, says, well, there's a foot. Well, curiosity got the best of me. And I'm, I stood up and I peeked around and there's a foot of my child. And in the wonder and the awe, Whatever normally would be queasiness that would take over didn't happen because of the wonder and the awe. And, and then I remember when they gave me Jordan, they, you know, they did all the quick tests that they do and they wrapped him in a blanket and put, it in, put him in my arms. And then Terry had to stay in the OR for a little while for, to, you know, to recover and all that kind of stuff. And so they sent me up to the nursery to where our, our room was and they sent me up there all by myself. And I'm, I'm carrying this little tiny baby. And, 
you know, they tell you not to text and walk. Well, don't stare at the face of your baby at the same time and walk. Um, it, I remember getting up there and one of the nurses coming and seeing me and, you know, for this nurse, this is something that she's been doing a lot of. And so she just comes over and reaches down and just grabs Jordan and walks away and goes into another room. And I've got the blanket still. And I was like, okay, okay what am I supposed to do? I, I felt kind of dumb because they took my baby. They went, do you have any instructions for me? I feel kind of foolish standing here with, with this blanket, but uh, eventually she came back out with Jordan all cleaned up and in the new blanket, and she's, oh, you can put that blanket down here. But it was in the wonder and in the awe, it caused me to pause. We've been talking this Advent about bringing joy to the world, and we've been looking each week at a verse from the carol, Joy to the World. And this week we're going to look at verse 4. And verse 4 goes like this, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and the wonders of His love. And as I've been reading over these words and thinking... Um, the question that came to my mind was, when, when's the last time I was in wonder of His love? I mean, I, I get going with life and there's stuff that happens and all that kind of thing and you, you just do life and you don't think about it. And when, when is the last time maybe that you um, were in wonder of the love of Jesus. We've learned over the last few weeks of Advent that in order for us to bring joy to the world, as verse 1 of the carol says, we, we need to make room in our heart for the King. Our, our heart is the place of desire, so does Jesus have room, Jesus the King, have room in your heart? And then we learned that we need to recognize that Jesus is sovereign King, meaning He rules over all, that God raised Him and seated Him at the right hand of God far above every rule, and that God took us, the church, and seated us with Christ. And so in order for us to bring joy to the world, we need to realize that Jesus and the church are already in place and in rule over the world because God raised Jesus up. And then last week, in order for me to bring joy to the world, I need to remove the thorns from my life because Jesus makes His blessing flow as far as the curse can found. Wherever the curse is, which is all around the world, Jesus makes His blessing flow and we are the ones to carry out that blessing. And so I need to get rid of the thorns in my life and the sin from my life so that I can be the carrier of the blessing of God to every part of the world. And then today, we're going to talk about He rules the world in truth and grace. And in order for me to bring joy to the world, I need to realize that He rules the world in truth and grace and that His love is so wondrous it should cause us to stop and pause. 
Isaac Watts, the composer of the carol Joy to the World, took the words from Psalms 98 or out of Psalms 98 came the song Joy to the World. And so in verses 8 and 9 of 98, it says this, Let the rivers clap their hands, let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. To judge is another way to say to rule. And so the psalmist is declaring here that the Lord comes to judge the earth or to rule over the earth and He will judge the earth in righteousness and the people with equity. Righteousness meaning right way. We can have confidence of this, that Jesus will judge the world, all of the world, rightly. We, I, you know, we, we don't trust our government. We don't trust other people who make judgments in our life. Maybe we don't trust our employer or whatever, or whoever it may be. But this we can trust. Jesus, when he judges, it will be right. And he also rules or judges the world with equity, meaning fairness, evenness, integrity. In other words, Jesus has no bias. I judge with bias all the time. It's what we do. We're human. We, we have our biases. Ah, Jesus, nope. We're all on the same playing field. And so he rules the world. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father, far above every, every authority. And he rules the world with truth and grace, or in truth and grace. And so as I think of that, I think of what the Apostle John says in his gospel in John 1.14, he says this, the Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the Christmas story right here in this verse. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen that glory. The glory of the one and only Son, Jesus, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is who our King is. I love the message translation of this verse because it, it just speaks it so clearly. The message says this, the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that picture because that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus came and moved into the neighborhood. And when He moves in, we see His glory. And there's no other glory like the glory of the Son it's generous inside and out. It's true from start to finish. And as I was thinking of Jesus moving into, the, into our neighborhood, as I was thinking of Advent and Christmas and us celebrating the birth of Jesus, and I was thinking about Him ruling the world in truth 
and grace. I got thinking about a story that we had talked about a few nights ago when Terry and I were at some friend's house. And this is um, the story of a mobile home park over on the west end of the metro, Maple Leaf Mobile Home Park. And it was a rough, rough place. Poverty and violence and drug abuse. I mean, Terry and I, we um, have the privilege of having on our resume, uh, resumes school bus driver. We, we both have done that in our past, and we both had the opportunity to driving bus into that trailer park, and um, it was always a little sketchy driving in there. And uh, I, probably about four or five times I had fights on the bus be, behind me as we were coming into the park because violence is what ruled that trailer home park. And then the story went out about some young family, some young Christian family actually buying a mobile home and intentionally moving into the mobile home park. And then this family started engaging the other families in relationship. And then this family did something totally crazy. They asked the owner of the mobile home park if they could have this spot of land over here and build a building for the kids in the mobile home park. And then they built it. And they began offering after-school programs where they would tutor kids. They would have food for the kids because a lot of these kids didn't have a lot of food. They called this building the Hope House. And now, now you're riding, driving a bus and what, what are you hearing behind you as you're pulling into the school or into this mobile home park? You're hearing kids saying, hey, are you going to Hope House today? Hey, are you going to Hope House today? It was the place to go. And then something else crazy happened. A young single gal, probably at that time in her mid-twenties, she bought a mobile home in this mobile home park intentionally. And she began having Bible studies and times together with middle school girls from this home mobile home park. Something crazy happened. The atmosphere in that mobile home park began to change. It began to shift. Because truth and grace moved into the neighborhood. I think sometimes when we think of Jesus ruling the world with truth and grace, I think we, we, we see these things as almost being two different things that you've got to have in balance, you know. If you have too much truth, or truth then it's law-based, and if you have too much grace, well, then it's people doing whatever. And so you've got to have this balance, and truth becomes this uh, 
truth is all about what's right or wrong, and truth is about making sure everybody follows the rules, and grace is way on the extreme of not following rules, giving people lots of grace, and lots they can do whatever almost. But I, as I was prepping for this week and thinking about truth and grace, I, I wonder if there's something that we're missing in this, if that's our view that truth and grace are these two things that we got to make sure we have balanced, what if truth and grace is less about balance and opposites and more about expressing the fullness of who Jesus is? And what if Jesus ruling in truth and grace is about experiencing the abundant life? that Christ's promise. What if the truth of Jesus is recognizing, yes, that truth, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but what if it's also this truth that He speaks to us, this promise to us, that the truth is there's a better way of living with Jesus? What if, what if that's more the emphasis of the truth? It's less about right and wrong and more about, hey, I, I've got something you need to know. I've got a truth you need to know. Jesus has promised abundant life, and I just want you to know, I've experienced that abundant life. Life is way better with Jesus reigning in my life than it is without Jesus, and that becomes the truth. And then the grace is along with that in the fullness in that, hey, and also, it doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter if you make a mistake. Jesus still promises you abundant life and still brings you joy and grace. And truth is, there's also a deceiver. And he's the one that comes and brings destruction. And this is where we see in John 10.10, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to give life and to give it abundantly. And what if he rules the world in truth and grace is that when Jesus comes into your world fully, you experience abundant life. In John 1, 16, right after verse 14 where Jesus says that... Um, um, the word came and moved into the neighborhood. In 116, Jesus said, Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace, or grace upon grace. And this is the picture of grace I, I want us to see that it's like the waves of an ocean. They just keep coming and they keep coming. And so there's this picture of God's grace coming upon us over and over and over again. And so when I think of the truth and the grace, He rules in truth and grace, what it does for me, it spurs on the wonders of His love. When I see fully, I see fully the wonders of His love. And this wonder is shown in a couple stories, very familiar stories in the Bible. One is like the story of Zacchaeus, the Jewish tax collector. You know, the, the Jewish tax collector, he's Jew, but he's working for the Romans. He's, you know, collecting taxes for the Romans, so he's an outcast, and he's also 
charging more so he can make more money. And so for the religious leaders, he was seen as a sinner. And Jesus comes to him, and we know the story. He says, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And Jesus goes into his house. We don't know what was talked about in there. But when Jesus went into Zacchaeus' house, truth and grace reigned. When Jesus went in, I imagine Jesus threw his words, and he has a way of saying it better than any of us. He's saying, Zacchaeus, I have a better way. That's the truth. You, you, you don't have to do this. I have a better way. And then the grace is Jesus, one, showing up and going to his house, but also saying, doesn't matter what you've done in the past. I love you. And I come in grace. And what is the result when truth and grace reigns? Life transformation. Here's the ironic thing. The people outside the house, the religious leaders, they're the ones that are judging. They're the ones that are pointing the finger and saying, why is Jesus hanging out with sinners? Another story, very familiar again, woman caught in adultery. Adultery, it's shame, public shame. It's punishable by death. And the religious people used this woman to try and chap, trap Jesus. The irony for me is that she's being used by a woman for adultery, and now, or she's being used by a man for adultery, and now she's being used by men again. And Jesus steps into her world with truth and grace. His presence reigned, and Jesus comes with truth. Woman, there's a better way. You don't need to be used. By Jesus kneeling with her and coming and showing a better way, he is saying, there is no shame. I come in grace. And the grace of Jesus is that he took the finger pointing of the religious leaders and he pointed that finger right back at them by saying, who of you has not committed a sin? Again, the result is life transformation. So the truth is for all of us, we've experienced grace and truth. We've experienced some time in our life when Jesus has stepped into our world and began to reign in our world and we've gone, there's a better way. And in that noticing there's a better way, there's life transformation. So in order for me and you to bring joy to the world, we need to grasp there's a better way. And that better way is when Jesus, the King of kings, who is far above all rule, comes in in truth and grace and reigns in our life. There's a better way when I understand that He promises to give us life and to give us life abundantly. And that no matter what I've done, I have been reconciled with God. 
And the cool thing is once I grasp that, as I grasp that more and more each and every day, the wonder of the love of Jesus, now when I go into the world, I bring that wonder of Jesus into the world. See, without the wonder of the love of Jesus, what do I bring? I bring self. I bring my judgment. When I bring the wonder of the love of Jesus into the world, the reign of Christ happens. Truth and grace happens. Lives are transformed. What would it be like if you and I followed the example of Jesus, moved into the neighborhood in grace and truth, proclaiming the wonders of the love of Jesus? So my challenge for you today Is whether you're at work, whether you're in neighborhood, you're at home, you're in school, wherever you are, start your day recognizing and seeing and somehow going, getting yourself in a place where you are remembering the wonders of the love of Jesus, and then ask God to give you all that you need to proclaim the wonders of his love to your world, wherever it is, your world. And if you and I did that every day, trust me, there will be days that God will give you opportunities to demonstrate the wonders of his love. So let us together bring joy to the world. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the wonder of your love. Thank you for your Son, Jesus, dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you that he came and moved into our neighborhood. I pray, Father, that you would spur us on to love and good deeds. Spur us on to bring the wonders of your love into our neighborhood. And I pray that in every place that we go, as we bring your reign there, that your spirit would begin to transform the atmosphere of that place and that lives would be changed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.